Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com. To start or complete your entire purchase online or shop Audi Atlanta in person like I did on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime. Before I get to my next guest, Joe Groman, I want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Fin for a course that has them near you. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Golf Pride. Did you know that Golf Pride lets you rep your favorite team while also using the number one grip in golf? Your team, your grip, MCC Hybrid Grips, the number one grip series worldwide. Features an exclusive brush cotton cord in the upper hand for all-weather performance with premium rubber in the lower hand for added feel. The new MCC Team Series is available in a variety of new color combinations so you can rep your favorite team out on the course. Available in standard and midsize. Check it out online by going to golfpride.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now next on the tee with me is PGA professional Joe Groman. Joe played his college golf at Cypress College where he was the team MVP. He transferred to Cal State Fullerton and played there briefly before turning pro. He's been the head golf pro at great golf courses like Whittier Narrows, Chester, Washington, the Navy course at Seal Beach, where he met Earl Woods and a 13-year-old named Eldrick Woods. He also spent time at El Dorado Park Golf Course in Long Beach, California, and he's now at Old Ranch Country Club in Seal Beach, California. He was named the 2013 Southern California PGA Professional of the Year, and I'm excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Joe, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, thank you, Chris. Good to be back on your show. <laughs> I appreciate you. My friend, how have you been? It's been a minute, so catch us up. What's been going on with you? Well, I'm over here in beautiful Seal Beach, California at Old Ranch Country Club now. Just loving it. I'm actually here right now. It's still sunny and beautiful here. Uh, life is good, man. That's all I can say, you know. <laughs> People, people are kind of recognizing me from that gig, you know, I did that, uh, that, uh, that tiger thing, you know, which is kind of why I wanted to talk to you a little bit, kind of set the record straight. Yeah. Up, you know, you know. Yeah. So let's, so let's was, get into that, Joe. I mean, 
I mean, look, I watched it earlier this year. It came out, I think, around the January time frame, and and uh, it was a two-part, uh, you know, you know, documentary, I guess, on on Tiger's life, kind of the the early days, and then in part two, they sort of painted more of the dark side of Tiger, sort of more off the field than or off the course than on it. But um, yeah, what was your impression, and what was it like being a part of that documentary? Well, you got I mean, that was nine hours of interviews for that five minutes of stuff. And uh, I, I didn't know what angle they were going to take. So, I mean, I can't deny I was a little disappointed when I saw the final product. Nothing like coming clean to the world, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I felt <laughs> they did a little bit of a disservice to Earl, you know, and uh, you can't you can't raise a tiger and not be just a phenomenal dad. So I wanted to, you know, touch base on a little bit of that stuff. There was a few things in there. For example, the story uh, when I first played with Earl and, and Tiger together for the very first time, and and Earl was talking real loud, like I'm talking to you, and jiggling his change and all that stuff. And uh, they cut it off right at that point, you know. So that was when I shushed her. I don't know if you remember that story. So Earl's doing it one more time, and like about the fifth hole, and I shushed him. And he looks at me, and he, Tiger's still putting. He goes, Joe, don't you know what I'm doing? I'm preparing Tiger to play through distraction when he gets to the tour, which I thought was a phenomenal answer coming from a father. I mean, he said it right in front of Tiger, so that's the kind of belief he had. And they kind of left that off. But they also left off the part where, you know, we were walking off that green, and I said to Tiger, I go, does he really do that every time you hit a shot? And Tiger said, I don't know. I haven't heard anything in two years. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was beautiful. I wish they'd left. I wish they'd put that in there. So they just left the part in where he was jiggling his change and just, you know being distracting, which didn't really tell the whole story of that, you know. And and there was other things like, you know, when I first met Tiger the day I met Tiger, you know, me and Earl went to the other side of the range. Well, first of all, let me tell you, when I met Tiger, Earl was saying a few things, and er, er, Tiger would just keep hitting, keep hitting, keep hitting, totally not acknowledging anything Earl said. I didn't know how they operated together. I didn't even know who this kid was, to be honest, because he was, he was so young. I had no idea that that could have been Earl's kid. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, listen, young man, you want to listen to what he's saying. He knows what he's talking about. And Earl started laughing so hard. He was sitting on one of those things that holds your clubs. And he almost, he lost his balance, almost fell off of it laughing. He goes, don't you know who this is? And I said, no. This is my son, Tiger. I go, oh, my God. So anyway, we walked down to the other side of the range. And I asked him, I go, how come we came down here? You know, kids over there. And he, and he said, I don't want him thinking about what I'm thinking about. Plus, he knows where to find me if he needs me. And I just thought that was so awesome, you know. He, he really was a, a wonderful dad to Tiger. You know, when Earl would be on the range, Tiger would be on the course. When Earl Tiger would be on the range, Earl would be on the course. He, he let him do his own thing, you know. And another another time, Tiger's about 14 or 15. And you got to understand that if Tiger didn't have a tournament, he was at the course. So he was always at the course. I mean. The second he got out of school and did his homework and all that, he's at the course till dark. So, I mean, I kind of got a little concerned because there was no other kids at this golf course. We were 26 miles away from Long Beach Naval Station. So, you know, after I got to know them really well, I'm like, 
I'm like, uh, Earl, what would you do if Tiger wanted to quit golf? Because he was just, it was all 100% golf. No friends, no nothing. And, you know, I, I was like thinking, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, and I'm sure a lot of people when they were a kid, they were always at the course too. But I said, what would you do if Tiger wanted to quit golf? And he said, as long as Tiger is a productive member of society, I'm going to support him in anything he wants to do. I'm just here to provide the foundation for success. That's it. It's up to Tiger to take the steps necessary to be successful. But as long as he's a member of society, I'm going to support him. If he wants to be a postman, I'm going to support him. And I thought to myself, man, that's awesome, you know. So they, yeah. you know, they they left out a little bit of this this side of Earl that uh, people don't know about. I mean, I think they kind of delved a little too deep into the. He's my best friend. Well, yeah, he's his best friend because that's who Tiger hung out with. You know, he hung out with guys way older than him. He hung out with Earl and his friends, and that was it. You know, he didn't he didn't have all these little friends. I remember when uh, he won his second U.S. Junior and Tita brought. Oh, you know, Tita was going to have a little party for Tiger and that's a whole nother story but there was like you know four four kids showed up and I had never met any of them ever they were from his school you know and and you know his second U.S. junior is a big deal and he scraped up four buddies from school so he was he wasn't the social butterfly let's put it that way so I could totally when they're saying you know Earl's his best friend and Tiger's his best friend you know that they made it seem weird but it wasn't if you know what I'm saying it was it was it was a cool relationship that they had, a good relationship. So what was your opinion after having watched the documentary? Again, like I say, it's two parts, the early part, the early years of Tiger, and then later on, um, it's, it's more, I think, off the course stuff than it really was on the course stuff. But it, to me, it sort of felt like a hit job. Like they, yeah. EMZ, yeah. HBO, they were... They were really out to paint the dark side of Tiger. Did you get that feeling? I mean, did you, at least when you were a part of it, when they were interviewing you, did you feel like, all right, this could be a good thing? And then the outcome, the, the finished product, boy, that's not what I expected. That's exactly how I felt. I mean, once again, I mean, a producer flew out here to meet me and talk to me and see, and then he, they flew me to New York for four days and, uh, they were all super nice young people, very successful producers. There are a few Oscars on that team that put that together and Emmys and all that kind of thing. They were all great, wonderful people. And, you know, in nine hours, I, I could dish, you know, I could say a lot of stories in nine hours. And then when, when I saw the final product, especially that opening scene when, when Earl's sitting there, you know, saying that this is my gift to the world. And then they show Tiger in the jail thing. I was like, oh, I, I mean, uh, my heart just sank. I'm like, no, you know, and and then you know some of the snippets that I was that I was in. Imagine that. I mean, I there was a lot of good, but yeah, to answer your question succinctly, I thought it was a hit job. No disrespect to those producers; they're wonderful people. But um, yeah, I, I definitely felt that uh, this kid has done the world of golf. Golf, he changed golf. He's you know he's. He's an icon. He's done so much good for the game. And, and yeah, it was definitely, I felt, a wee bit of a hit job, to say the least. And, yeah, I was a little disappointed, honestly. One of the things that, that I walked away from, and, and they showed um, his frequent trips out to Las Vegas and, 
they talked about how in Vegas, like for all of us, right, Vegas is an escape from reality. And I started to feel like maybe Tiger was a guy that, you know, Tiger Tiger Woods Inc. was sort of the, a runaway train that he wanted to get away from for a while. Maybe feel like, you know, he, maybe he didn't really want all this superstardom. He was a guy that wanted to be the best golfer ever and win a bunch of golf tournaments. But, but then everything started to become about what people expected of him or what other people wanted him to do. They wanted him. You know, Tiger, you got to get married. So Tiger gets married. And, you know, it, everything sort of became larger than what he wanted it to be. You know, and then he became the face of Nike. He became the face of the game. I don't know. I mean, did you get a sense of that? And maybe from your experience of knowing Tiger, was it that or was it something else for, you know, all the escapes out to Vegas? I think I think you nailed it pretty good there because, like you're saying, his goal when he was a kid was just to be the best golfer in the world, you know. And you're not thinking about brand management. You're not thinking about business deals. You're not. You're just thinking about being the best golfer in the world, winning the Masters. I mean, we played for the Masters a million times, and that's what it was all about. It was all pure golf, pure love of the game. And then the next thing you know, he he signs with with Nike. I remember the night he signed with Nike, I went over to the house and Earl was there and Cheetah was there and Tiger was there. And this was before cell phones. Tiger literally had phones with, you know, the old phones and each year he had one in each year. And, you know, and there was like the house was full of suits of people I'd never seen before. And they didn't have a big house. And I'm like, Oh my God, what has he done? And, you know, another thing was, is, is, because I was close to him, the the Navy at the time would not let me. The public affairs officer wouldn't let me talk to the media, you know. And 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 people were from all over the world wanted wanted to talk to me too. And I was like, I didn't really want to talk to anybody. But I mean, I was getting people knocking on my door three in the morning, you know, wanting to talk to me. Wow. And, and that was and I was just on the sidelines, and I can't imagine what he had to have been going through. And you know, it was spooking me from afar and, and uh, you know, what he had to go through. There's, you don't think of that when, when you're on your way, when you're winning your NCAAs and your junior worlds and becoming a world beater, then you sign with Nike, and then you start winning all these events. But I don't think that that was in the game plan on how they were going to handle that kind of success. You know, it, it, it was just he wanted to be the best in the world growing up, and there's a lot more to it. I know you're – you were talking about Ricky Fowler earlier with Tom and, and, you know, maybe he's Ricky's gotten so large, you know, maybe he's kind of suffering from the same things. I can't speak for him, but I don't think these guys that get super popular, uh, you know, can handle these time constraints, these business deals, all these people that are making money off of them. And I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole different aspect of the, of what they have to do in life outside of the game. You know, they're, it's almost a vic, being a victim of your own success in a, in, on some level. But going to Vegas, I'm sure, was a huge escape. If you saw the documentary, he got into diving because he could just get away. I mean, the pressure's on him. Just, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, to that end, Joe, I mean, you sort of now start to – put together everything that's been going on around him, you know, off the course and obviously the latest car accident and that sort of thing. To your point, if people are always after him, 
for something, right? Whether it's a business deal, whether it's TMZ trying to chase him and anybody that's related, you know, around him and his circle around trying to figure out the latest bit of dirt and all of that sort of thing. I mean, we see the latest car accident and we, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if you do or, or anybody else really knows the truth about what happened, but it seems like he's a guy that is self-medicating for pain, maybe self-medicating for the life that he is being forced to lead. And then I don't know if he fell asleep or what happened that led to the, the most recent accident, but it seems like a guy trying to escape all of that, but the world won't let him sort of live. I almost sort of think about it, Joe, in terms of, I remember Elvis Presley and I lived in Memphis for a lot of, a lot of my life. And you know, what Elvis had to do to wake up in the morning in order to go to sleep at night and, and the life that, you know, he had to lead because of everything that was going on around him and the, and the entourage and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I tell you, to be honest with you, Joe, I walked away from that second part of the documentary feeling sorry for Tiger. Like he's just a kid that wanted to play golf, but everything else has just sort of led him down a path and it's sort of become a destructive path lately. But I think it's a place that he doesn't want to be, but he's sort of forced into it because of all this other stuff. The business, the this, the that, the other thing. He wants to spend time with his kids. He wants to, you know, be in, uh, you know, major championships, and he wants to win a, another Masters, and he wants to catch Jack, and all of these sorts of things. It just seems like it all can't fit in a 24-hour day, and he's sort of trying to force it in there. I, I don't know. I, I, I walked away feeling sorry for him. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that Elvis one is. Do you remember when 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 you could see that? happened to Elvis back in those days. I mean, we're kind of dating ourselves. Maybe your older audience can yeah. relate, but yeah, it just, it just spiraled out of control, which is, it kind of mirrors that. I mean, hopefully from this accident and all that and getting older and the kids are growing up and you know, if, if for those of us that have kids, it totally changes your perspective in your life when your kids start uh, becoming young adults and you get more involved in, in, in life around that i mean i i think that him playing with his kid in the tournament and taking more of a focus on on his children's golf and all that is going to be nothing but good for him you know let me just settle down and be a dad for two seconds you know hopefully as far as the accident and i got to tell you that happened right over here in palisbury's near where i am right now and that particular spot that that he uh got in that accident on it's it, it, in Palos Verdes, it's this huge, giant hill. You know, it's it's square miles, but there's no freeways to it. So it's all these streets that are long and windy. And this particular spot is notorious because you come down these hills and then you go up a little and you go down a little. Where he was, you, you go, by the time he got to where he was, you, you're going really fast because it's very easy to go very fast on this particular street I've been on and many times and you come up this little rise and when you come up the little rise the road goes to the right so unless your eyes are right on that road when it goes to the right you're going to hit that curb and it, there's all kinds of marks from people smacking into that particular spot because you can't see it as you come over the rise and then you're right there and you got to go right so in his defense i mean that that is a pretty dangerous little Spot that he got in that accident on it was a perfect storm i can't say if he was distracted driving or any of that but it's definitely notorious for that particular type of accident in that particular spot 
because of that. Can't see what's coming your way, coming over the ride. As we talk about him potentially being, you know, in this whirlwind of what Tiger Woods Inc. has become, do you think he can get out? Is, Is this too far gone? Is this runaway train gone too far and he can't get out? Or do you think he wants to get out? Do you think, you know, you talk about we've seen a play with Charlie and the, which is fantastic. And, you know, his daughter, Sam, and all of that sort of thing. And being a, a regular dad, has the train gotten too far out of control where he can't get out? Or do you, do you think this now gives him the opportunity that he may be looking for to get out? Well, I think that he's too big. He means too much to golf. He means too much to too many people, too many companies. It's, it would be like if, you know, you know, Jack Nicholas isn't competitive, but he's still a huge voice in golf. And I think that's where Tiger's going to head. I, I don't see him ever, you know, getting out. He still has a lot of good that he can do in golf. Uh, there's so many areas of golf. I mean, his Tiger Woods Learning Centers are awesome, but there's a lot he can do. Any, any, if he pointed himself at any aspect of golf, junior golf, disabled golf, any type of faction of golf, he's so huge. He's gonna he he's able to move the needle. He's kind of like Elon Musk in Bitcoin, you know. He's able to move the needle in anything. And I think to have that much say and 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 power, I don't. I yeah, I don't think he's gonna get out of golf. I mean, maybe he'll be in it in a different aspect. You know, he's he's doing courses now. He's kind of following Jack's path just a little bit, and. uh you know, all those guys still love and respect Tiger. And, and I think, you know, he still has a ton to offer the golf world. It's not in playing and winning tournaments and, and many, many other layers of golf. But, yeah, his train's left the stage. He's too big now. He's too big. He's not going anywhere, I don't think, anytime soon as far as golf's concerned. You know, now that his kids are growing up, maybe, you know, he can become a voice for junior golf and junior golf program. Who knows? Guys the limit. He can do anything. Joe, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you on online or on social media? Uh, I'm at Joe Groman Golf Foundation and Joe Groman and Joe the Pro. I post all my clinics. We're just at, you know, with the Wounded Warriors on Monday. Um, also, my website is joegromangolffoundation.org. And also the, the howtogolf.com, sell my book there. All the proceeds from that book go to support all the programming we do with, uh, with you know, basically the Wounded Warriors, uh, at-risk inner-city youth, um, disabled. We have huge programming with that. PGA Hope, we, we have a huge hope program. Um, but you can get, it's now an e-book too, by the way. It's called How to Golf Beginner's Guide. If anyone out there wants a perfect Christmas gift, Earl Woods wrote the forward to it. It's got me and Tiger on the cover. Um, that's at howtogolf.com, joegromangolffoundation.org, on Facebook at uh, Joe Groman, uh, Joe Groman Golf Foundation, and Joe the Pro. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's as technologically savvy as I'm able to pull off right now. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Joe, I can't thank you enough for coming back and being a part of the show. Um, I hope we get the opportunity to catch up with you much sooner next time. You're fantastic, my friend. 
Oh, thanks, Chris. And I felt so bad the Steelers didn't pull it off. What a start to the season. <laughs> hey, thanks for reminding me of that. Let's open that one up again. I appreciate you. Um, I was thinking of you, brother. I was thinking of you. I, I thought this was their year. <laughs> yeah. All right, my well, man. I think we're, now show, we're Chris. a few years away. Thank you, Joe. Take care, my friend. All the best in your family. Stay safe out there. Uh, thank you, Chris. Likewise, my friend. Bye-bye. See you, Joe. That's a great Joe Groman. G-R-O-H-M-A-N is the spelling of Joe's last name. Fantastic stuff. He's doing a lot of great things for Wounded Warriors. You heard him mention that right at the end. Uh, a lot of great camps and uh, clinics uh, for our uh, for our heroes. So kudos to Joe for that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, we, when, uh, when the documentary came out, Joe reached out to me right away and said, hey, I need to set the record straight on some of this stuff. And uh, we tried to get him on uh, a little earlier in the year, but uh, some things came up. So uh, it was great to get him here. And like I say, if you haven't watched the HBO special, and you, there's a lot to it. But uh, the thing that I walked away, I walked away sad. I walked away from that sad for Tiger. Because one, one I think it was a hit job. And two, uh, some of the stuff that they showed uh, for Vegas and in uh, his life, I think uh, it's uh, it's been really hard on him. I think he's a guy that uh, just wanted to win golf tournaments and just wanted to be the best golfer ever. And uh, some things spiraled out of control. And um, he needed an escape at times, and uh, that's what we saw in some of that. But uh, I think they painted a very dark picture that uh, is pretty unfair to Tiger. Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com to start or complete your entire purchase online. Or shop Audi Atlanta in person like I did on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the the power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com.